I want you to go this morning. We're going to, well, I don't even have an opening scripture for you to go to, so just hang with me. I believe with all my heart that God is doing more than what you and I can see. I really believe it. For the last couple of years, we've heard the prophets talk about a reset. Now, a reset doesn't come for no reason. I got my phone down there right now. Maverick's got it. He knows more about it than I do. And uh, trying to keep him occupied for a few minutes. And uh, But every once in a while, that thing won't function right. Or it starts getting sluggish. Or it starts getting slow. And sometimes you have to totally power that thing off for a few moments. I think they call that a, they call that a soft reset, hard reset, something. Sometimes you have to do that in your computers. You have to be reset. But I believe that God has spoken. Now these are the words the prophets have been speaking. The guys that you have been listening to. And then when God starts doing it, we have trouble with it. Because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good when that happens. Nothing does. Even changing a seat didn't feel good. Now I have to figure out where am I going to sit. Seriously. You'd be surprised the things that mess with our life. But I don't think for one moment that something, that this isn't a God moment of time that we're in. Matter of fact, I really believe it is a supernatural moment of time that God is working. And we may not feel everything right now, see everything we want to see at this moment. But what we're after is what God is after. And what the Lord is doing. And I can assure you with all my heart, and you can only judge that yourself, but I'm pursuing God. I want nothing but what God has. I I don't want to play church games. I'm not interested in playing religious, uh, you know, rhetoric and all of that stuff. I want what God wants in this hour. Because he said this, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know that God values freedom so much, he'll let you do with your life what you choose to do. He will. Even if it will take you on a path away from him, he values freedom that much. But here's the greatness about God. He's always waiting for you to come back home to him. Because he knows when you follow your own path, it's going to come to a dead end. We've been in this month. We told you this was going to be vision month. And it is. And we're really going to have to. I already know that we're going to have to carry it into the month of February. Because of just how God has directed me to do this. We thought we could do it. But you haven't got it all. I don't have it all. And I hope that you've got one of these cards. And I hope that you'll hang on to that. We're going to talk about that some more in just a few moments. You know, recently we made we made a little bit of rebrand. Changed our logo just, just a tad. And, and we're doing it. Everything that we're doing right now, we believe has a purpose behind it. And we believe has a God purpose behind it. We're called Christ Church. We've always been that. We just had Christ Church of the Heartland on it. Thank you, Chris. I'll let you be seated for a few moments. And and one of the reasons that we did that in the earlier days, I was reminiscing yesterday with some friends. I got to minister in Illinois uh, at a worship conference yesterday in a church that I haven't been to, I think, in over 10 years. And, And the Lord just opened that back up for us to come in. And we were reminiscing and talking about everything 
that God is, is doing in the hour and, and what the Lord is, is up to. And 20-something years ago or 25 years ago when we came in, of course, some of you know we came into a place that was a little bit, church was strong, but it was a little bit in trouble. Some of you know because you were here. You were, you've been a part of that and you've stuck with us all of these years. And somewhere along the line, as much as we tried to hold to what was before us, I felt like the Lord said, you can't build on another man's vision. And so we made a, we made a change. And we called ourselves Christ Church. That was my heart. Because I've always believed that when we say Christ Church, the word Christ, for you that don't know this, is not Jesus' last name. Now that may be funny, but some people think that way. But that's not his last name. The word Christ simply means the anointed one. Jesus the anointed. Jesus the sent one. Jesus the anointed one. And, and so what we begin to identify, we wanted to identify with the anointing. How many knows it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and lifts every burden? We're not here to be a religious people in a sense. But we are here to demonstrate the love and the life and the grace and the mercy and the power of Jesus Christ. And so we gave ourselves the name Christ Church. And when we started doing all the legal work, we found a church in our area that was, that was Christ Church at the time. They were using it very strong, Christ Church Episcopal. And then on top of that, in our paperwork legally in the state, I guess you need to know this, in the state, somebody already was using that name. So we had to go Christ Church of the Heartland. So we tagged all of that. Now, just simply because we believe that our church is, has a far greater emphasis and bearing than just here on this corner. But I believe, and you guys know that, that we have a regional impact and we're going to continue impacting the Heartland region. But we felt in the days that are here. And even the culture, let's, let's streamline some things. Let's get back to our focus. Not that we were off focus, but let's get back to our focus. That we are the anointed. We are, we, this church is about the anointing of God. I've always believed with all of my heart. I'm preaching at you whether you know this or not. So just hang on for the ride. All right, look at your neighbor and say, hang on. We're going somewhere today. So... I've always believed, and this is the way church has been for us, that when people come into this place, that they're going to encounter the presence, the power, and the grace of God. I believe that. I, that's my heart. I don't care if they know my name. I don't care if they know your name. I don't care if they know the name that is out there on the sign. But one thing I do want them to know is there's a church on the corner of Bertling Street over by those apartments that they believe in the power of God. And when you go there, something happens. That's what we're after. Let me tell you, God's doing far more than what you and I can see in the land right now. Let me share a testimony real quick. This isn't about our church, but I believe it's about our time. I had a call yesterday or the day before yesterday from my brother. Y'all know that pastor's in Paducah, him and his son. And I have, a, I have a cousin on my dad's side that now is up nearly probably 75 years of age. A few months ago, Ray had, a, had open heart surgery. 
Now, on my dad's side of the family, of course, we grew up, my, my folks kept us in church. And on my dad's side of the family, especially in his brothers and sisters, some of them, I didn't know, uh, you know, if they were church people, I just didn't really, they didn't show it a lot. And so it didn't know it. We never talked about church. My family did, our family did, but, but not my, you, you know, my cousins and, and my aunts and uncles up on that side. Now they're great people, they're loving God, serving God now, and that is so wonderful. But my cousin called my, my brother up the other day and he said, Bobby, I gotta tell you something. That's what we call my brother Bobby, his name is Robert. And uh, he said, I gotta tell you something. He said, you know, before I went and had my open heart surgery, they live up around Murray, Kentucky, out in the country, around all the farms out there. He said, my neighbor, who is a farmer, came and said, Ray, I'd like to pray for you before you go to surgery, if that's all right. And Ray said, well, I guess it'd be all right. And so he said, this farmer, he didn't give a name. He just said, this farmer just simply took his hand, put on his shoulder and just prayed. And he said, the moment he did that, Ray said, I felt something I had never encountered before. He goes through surgery, does fine, comes out. Three months later, he told Bob, he said, Bob, I have to tell people about this. He said, I don't know what it meant. I don't know what it was. But he said, I've never encountered anything like that before. My brother my brother." said, Ray, I want to tell you what happened. When that brother laid his hand upon you, he just simply, you had an encounter with Almighty God and he let you encounter his presence. And he said, Ray, whether you understand that or not, he said, Ray, I asked you in the hospital before you went into surgery, if you died, are you ready to go to heaven? And Ray said something simply like this. Well, Bob, I think I am. I do pray. I, I don't have a set time every day, but I do walk around and I pray from time to time. But now, since he's had this encounter, he said, I just got to tell people about this moment that I encountered God when a man put his hand upon me. You see, church, that's what we've got to come after. People are wanting to encounter the greatness of God. They're not looking for church. They're not looking for a jump and a shout, a hoop and a holler, a run the pew or a fall in the floor. But what they are after, they're after that encounter with the Lord that when they leave, they know something has touched their lives. And you and I have got to come to believe that. Because it's too easy for us to go to church. And we forget about everybody else in this place that needs the presence of Jesus. See, our mission here, our purpose statement is simply this. We exist to lead people to a life within the fullness of Christ. If you're in this place this morning and you feel like your life is in a shambles, in a mess, I'm here to let you know something this morning. I'm here to declare to you that Jesus wants your life to be better than what it is right now. 
Yes, he's interested if you make heaven. But I got news for you. He's interested in how you live right here on this earth. He didn't intend for you to live broke. He didn't intend for you to live broke, busted, and disgusted. He didn't intend for you to live bound up in some kind of bondage or addiction. He didn't intend for you to live a life that's full of hurt and pain and shattered. Matter of fact, he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's his plan. That's his will. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Luke, I didn't give you this, this verse, Miss D. Luke chapter 4, eight, 4 and 18. That was words that Jesus brought up from the prophet Isaiah that would reflect about him and tell about him. In the book of Luke 4, 18, you don't have to turn there. I'll just, I just want to make sure I'm quoting it right. Jesus said as he starts his earthly ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I believe he's talking exactly that in one sense, both naturally and physically. God doesn't want his people poor. He doesn't want you in a begging posture. He doesn't want you having to be like, you know what she was talking about, looking for eggs or whatever. He wants you to know that he is your God. He is your source of supply. He's got more than enough for you and he will take care of you. He said, I've been sent to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen, friend, if you're carrying a broken heart, if you're carrying a shattered heart, a shattered spirit, if you're carrying stuff from past, I know life can throw because we're in a fallen world. We're in a world of iniquity. David said, I was born into it. It may have happened back there. And though it happened and though it hurt so desperately bad, I'm here to let you know God didn't intend for you to live the next 70 years in in the pain of yesterday, but he wants you to live in a place of healing that your pain is now your testimony of the greatness of what God can do for you if you trust him. Come on, somebody. God wants to heal you right now. You don't have to wait. <coughs> you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Look at your name and see, you don't have to wait. Just receiving. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God. I'm preaching to you the gospel of Jesus. Well, the Bible, you know, I've always thought this. The gospel is good news. Yes, it is. The gospel is the fact that Jesus died and rose again. Yes, it is. But the gospel of Jesus is this. I have come to tell the poor. You can, you can have in abundance. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim deliverance to the captive. If you're in here bound up. I don't care what you're bound up in. I don't care what you're bound up in. Ain't not, there ain't a bondage you're in that God can't free you. It don't matter if you've been that way from the moment you were born. Or felt like you were born. I don't care how much you shoot up, how much you take up, drink up, whatever. And we can be bound to many things, church, besides drugs and everything else. But God said, I've come to declare your freedom. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be free this morning. You can be free. He said, I have been sent for the recovery of sight to the blind. 
We are not supposed to be walking through this world as a blind man. We're not supposed to be, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. Jesus came to open our eyes so that we could see and we can maneuver through this life and live the life he intended for us to live. He said, I've come to set at liberty those that are oppressed. There's some of you in this morning, the devil just on your case and he doesn't seem to back off. He just keeps oppressing you. But I got news for you. I'm telling that demon now in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the cross and the blood of the lamb, in the name that is above every name, he has got to go. He's got to let you go. You don't have to live oppressed. You don't have to live in oppression. You don't have to live vexed. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. Jesus said, I've come to set the captive free, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which meant all the slaves were let go and we can take our rightful identity as the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. That's what I believe the kingdom is about. I believe God is refocusing, restructuring. It's happening everywhere. It's not just happening here. It's happening everywhere. But here's the deal. It may manifest one way over there. God may be doing something with somebody else differently over there. This is one thing I want to encourage every believer in this house. I know how we pre- how we Pentecostal charismatics, whatever we are, we want to condemn every church and every ministry under the sun that doesn't do it the way I think it ought to be done. And the fact of the matter, you haven't gone there. You haven't sat with that pastor to find his heart. You haven't done anything but heard from somebody else or looked at a 20-second snippet. I'm challenging this body. I'm challenging us to stop that nonsense. And for us to focus upon what God has called us to do. And for us to bless them that they fulfill what God has called them to do. Are you okay? It's our mission. Our mission, our purpose is to lead people to the fullness of Christ. You know, it's easy to get people saved. It's just not easy to get them to to walk this thing out. You know, I go fishing. I I walk 50 feet out my back door and go fishing. I love to. And I throw them back in to get to catch them all over again. Catching them is fun. Somebody said, why don't you eat them? Because I don't want to clean them. Come on, catching them is fun, eating them is fun, but cleaning them is another thing. And none of us like the process of cleaning. Hello, it's messy, it's scaly, it's bloody, it's stinky, it's everything in between. And that's why we don't want to do it. So we catch them, throw them up on the bank, and hopefully they'll turn up on my dinner plate. But it never works that way. But we're called to a purpose. We begin to lay out something fresh to you. What we call core values. Will you put that? Here's our definition of core values. Define and shape what we are for. And how we lead and serve. 
We are multi-generational, multi-ethnic, but singular cultural church. The core values are the foundations and the guidelines for our culture. You need a picture of that, you ought to do it. You don't have one of these cards. We got them for you on the way out. I'm encouraging you to keep them. And we've done this for a purpose. I want you to think about something with me. I see people all the time. I pray with people everywhere. And I talk to pastors all the time. They're saying we're believing for a great move of God. And it seemed like I've heard that. And I've prayed that for years. And it seems like we never get there. And I ask this question. What is it going to look like? What is it looking like to you if we are there? What does revival look like? Man, y'all got that just real silent on that. What does awakening look like? Now I begin to discover some things. Let me take you to an Old Testament story and then I'm going to hit these culture, these culture points or these core values here real quick. Told you I've got to go. I may go into the next year with these. It's going to take me so long to get it all out. Matter of fact, that's why they're backing off worship a little bit. They've done it. Give me more time. Matter of fact, before they even started this, the Lord told me, he said, less is more. He said, we got everything back to front. We're spending way much time up here and you're pressing real quick. I got to get out of here and get out of the word so that we can do. But I also realized that there's so much in the culture that they'll let me give in a moment's time. There was a moment when the children of Israel... When King David was on the throne, that David wanted the Ark of the Covenant brought back to Jerusalem. Y'all might know the story. You can read it later. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel, I believe about chapter 20. And it's also in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And so Israel had sinned. The reason it's gone, Israel sinned against the Lord. The Philistines come up against them. And the people thought, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence, the power, and the provision of God. So they said, the Philistines are upon us. Let's bring up the Ark of the Covenant. Let's bring it up. And, uh, and, and with a shout, and they did. And when they brought it up with the shout, the Philistines in their camp. Oh, let me back up before I go any further. The reason, the reason that I'm going to bring this story and that Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant was if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, Eli was priest. And his sons were serving him and the, and the church in a sense. And the Bible said there was very little vision. No vision. Ere the lamp of God was going out in the house of the Lord. No vision. Not only that, the sons of Eli, the priest, were messing with the worship. And messing with the people. God had given them an instruction given because the Levites... When the people brought their offering, they could take a three-pronged hook and they could go put it into the pot that, that the meat had been put in to boil before the Lord. And whatever they could get with that could be theirs. Go read it. It's in the, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Leviticus. It would belong to the Levites. But they were demanding something different. The sons of Eli. They were demanding. They were messing. It was the people's worship in that day. They didn't have a song service like us at that moment. They were bringing their lambs and they were offering them on the altar. But the priest was messing with the worship. 
And the worship among the church began to be contaminated. I'm going to say it like that. The activity. Not only that, the priesthood themselves were defiled. They started messing with the women. And Eli wouldn't do anything about it. And God said, I'm going to bring judgment on my house. Now I've heard the prophets speak that. I've heard that over and over and over. Matter of fact, I got a call from, from somebody the other day was in a meeting up north. All these prophets had gathered and every one of them were saying, God's bringing judgment to his house. And he said, those that are prophesying falsely and not, I, I, I don't want to go there. Let me get back to my story. So God said, all right, Samuel, he raises a prophet to speak against it. He said, Eli won't deal with it, so I'll deal with it. I've got to get my house back in order. And so Israel, the Philistines come and they thought, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. If we just bring it because it is our protection, it is our covering. And so they bring it up with a great shout. And the Philistine says, what is this noise that we hear? And one of the soldiers said, that's nothing but their God that has come up before them. The one that delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. And we're no match for them. And one of the leaders of the Philistines says to his soldiers. He said straighten yourselves up. Act like soldiers. We're going to go and we're going to defeat these Israelites. And so they go out to battle. And the word said Israel is carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The presence. The power. The provision. And the Bible said Israel took a great defeat because they did not know that the glory of the Lord had departed from them. Isn't it amazing you can come to church and not even know that the presence isn't here. They were going through motion after motion after motion. Doing everything like they had done it before. And sometimes we think because we feel good that God feels good. And that's not necessarily true. All that we have tapped into, we've made our flesh feel good. But we've become a stench in the nostril of God. So years pass, some 20 years. Nobody has inquired of the presence of God. God, what do you want? Go read it. It's in the book. 20 years pass. When David comes to the throne, he said this, nobody has inquired of the Lord since King Saul. And David said, I want the presence of God back in Jerusalem. So here's the picture. I don't even know if I'm going to get through the values that I've got for today. I may have to go into neck the year after. Listen, listen what happened. So David said, all the people, okay, we're going to worship guys. So he brought all of Israel because they all wanted the Ark of Covenant in Jerusalem where it belonged, in the temple of God. So they had desire. We want God. Is that enough? Is desire alone enough for us to put everything in place? So they decided, oh my goodness, I've left story out, but I can't go back. So they decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the ark on a new cart. And all of Israel is going to go before it. And we're going to worship some, I think it was a 20 mile journey possibly from where it was back to Jerusalem. They had a couple of men. They had a man by the name of Uzzah. His name means man of strength. 
Man, that's perfect. Man, we got strong leaders in this house. We got strong people in this house. They also had Ohio. His name means brotherly love. Man, we got love. We are people that love one another. Man, it looks like a perfect setup. It's a perfect picture to get Jesus to come, to get the presence of God. So off they go down the yellow brick road, making their way to Jerusalem. And they've got this ark and the people rejoicing ever so many feet. They would offer sacrifice. They would worship and, and such as that. And they come to a threshing floor. And remember, the ark of the covenant is upon a new cart. And I believe when it comes to the threshing floor, Ohio's over here, Uzzah's over here, and they're making their way. Man, everything looks right. Desire, intent, all of that looks fantastic, right? It should work. If I'm hungry, I should have everything I want. But when they get to the threshing floor, the ox does what a good ox wants. He smelled some fresh grain on the ground. This is Zach's version of it anyway. And he went to get him a bite. And when he did, it tipped. It rocked the Ark of the Covenant. It rocked the wagon. And Uzzah, with a good intent, reaches up and puts his hand to only stop the Ark from falling off. And falls dead. Wait a minute, God. Now David's messed up. The whole move is stopped. Are you okay? The whole move of God is stopped. And David can't believe it. David's a man after God's heart. David's the man that God said, you will fulfill my will. You will touch your generation. But now it's stopped. God, I was doing nothing. We thought we were doing what was right. We didn't want that box to fall over and fall on the ground. And the whole move is stopped. Could it be, church, that maybe the reason the church, maybe the reason that you and I are always in a place of expecting and never having is because maybe there's a few elements missing that we never put into play that causes God to manifest himself in the way that we want to see him manifest. Think about it for a moment. Why did it stop? So now David's messed up, discouraged. What are we going to do? So they take the Ark of the Covenant. There was a man there that lived in the neighborhood of where they were. His name is Obadiah. He had an empty barn. He said, hey, if you want to bring that here to my barn, I'll keep it out of the weather. Paraphrasing again in the verse of Zach. He said, I'll keep it in the barn until this moment. So for three months, the Ark of the Covenant sets in the barn of one Obed-Edom. And the Bible says this, listen to this. The Bible said that everything that pertained to Obed-Edom, everything was blessed beyond measure because of the presence of God. But for Israel, nothing was happening. But for him, he was blessed. His cat, his dog, his rats, his snakes, his fields, everything that belonged to him was blessed. Because of the presence of God. And David goes back before the Lord. And he says, hey God. 
What's the problem here? And God speaks to David. He said, when you start doing what I want and what I intended. And David had to get his heart back and refocus and go back. Because here's what David did. When Israel brought it on that new cart, that was not an original idea. Nor was it the plan of God. That was the plan of the Philistines to get rid of that thing. Because when they took it to their house, put it in their temple, next to their idol, they come in the next morning and it's fallen over. They pick it back up, set it back up. Come in the next morning and now it's fallen over again. Its head is missing. Its hands are gone. They're broken off. And now sickness has hit the people. God struck the Philistines with hemorrhoids. God literally became a pain in their rear end. <laughs> Go read the book. They were struck so hard that many of them died. So this is what they did. We can't keep this thing. This doesn't belong to us. This is judgment on us. So they said, let's fix a new cart and let's put an ox in front of it and let's put an offering. So this is what they did. They made golden images of their hemorrhoids and put on there. And they also made five golden rats, which represented their gods and put them on that cart and sent it out. All they cared about, we don't care where it goes, just get out of our territory. And so it left. And for the next 20 years, nobody inquired of the Lord until King David. And somebody said, we need revival in Jerusalem. And so the story goes. But what stopped the issue? Was it desire? Was it their passion? Was it the fact of many things? There was one thing that God said. He said, you're carrying this the wrong way. We're going to Jerusalem. We could get there on the cart, but that's not what I've intended. I've often said this, new carts is nothing more than boards, big wheels, and steering committees. And I think sometimes that's pretty true about how things are. We take popular vote. This is what I like. This is what I think ought to happen. But God had already set how it would come. And he said this. I want my glory back on the shoulders of my priest. Did you ever think about this? Charlie, help me for a moment. I think the word for glory is the, is it the kabod? Or kabod, something to that effect. Which means weighty. I never thought about that until this moment with this story. If the glory meant weighty, if it meant weighty, that's why he said, I want this back on the shoulders of my priesthood. And when they put it back upon the shoulders of the priesthood, now they're making their way back in and they're offering sacrifice, passing through the blood and everything that is there and the and the tabernacle receives. David brings back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. 
So I'm here to let you know that the reason we're setting some core values is because I believe these could be some key things and I've got to do this real fast. Our first one we dealt with last weekend, I need to preach a whole month on just each core value. But we're declaring that we're keeping Jesus at the center. Come on. This thing is all about Jesus. It's about the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's about the one that gave his life for us. Well, yeah, pastor, it is. But I also want to see some stuff. And if we're not careful, as much as I love miracles, and as much as I love healing, and as much as I love great services... That I'm looking for a great service more than I'm looking for Jesus. Come on church. I'm not just talking about. Because this shouldn't be just a core value for our house. It ought to be some core value for our entire lives. Because you're only in this house a reflection of what you were before you ever got here. Come on. You know it's like calling myself a worshiper and I don't even ever open my mouth. Or I don't even declare the goodness of Jesus. Or I don't. Listen. Our core value. Jesus is the center of everything. We are not religious. And all that we do is built and based and focused on the gospel of Jesus. Yes, pastor. I'm wanting miracles. Yes, I'm wanting to see people healed. I'm believing for people to be delivered. But I know it's not going to be through the power of Zach. But it's going to be through the power of the greater one that's in us. His name is J-E-S-U-S. He's the one that we sing about this morning. Jesus has to be the center of our lives. He has to be the center of your life. He said, I'm El Shaddai. We sing those songs. Man, what a beautiful song. I couldn't help but weep as I listened to his name. His name is to be praised. But Jesus is the center. It's our value. It's the first one and foremost of everything and all that we do. If Jesus isn't reflecting in it, then it's just our religious activity. And I know y'all won't believe this, but every one of us in this room has a measure of religion that we have to deal with. Every one of us. Because religion has a way of doing things, and unless I do it exactly this way, then I will never. We all deal with it. I deal with it. But Jesus is the center. Our second value is this. We are spirit led. We depend upon God's guidance in our lives. So we walk in his path. He wants us to walk. We pray about everything and we live according to his living word. This isn't a feeling of a moment. This is a life I live. How many read Benny Hinn's book years ago? Good morning, Holy Spirit. It was about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I've heard more people preaching about that lately. A relationship with Holy Spirit. Not just a feeling in the morning. But we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we know that it's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed to declare I'm a tongue-talking, spirit-led, spirit-filled individual. We're not ashamed of that. Hello. But just to get the tongues isn't all of it. 
I shared with somebody recently that was hungry to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, it's a gift. But I said, if you're just trying to get tongues, you're going to miss it possibly. But that's how we're taught. Well, come on, you got to get tongues. And most of us stop at tongues. That was just the initial evidence. He didn't say, I'll give you tongues. He said, I'll give you power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the evidence that is there is that you have the privilege to have a prayer language. Are you okay? And let me take you to it. Let me take you to, to one that I'm trying to get to right now. Trying to. I've been working hard to get there. We are. Here's our third. Here's our third value. We are better together. We can accomplish infinite, uh, infinitely more. Thank you. Together than we can individually. It's more fun to serve God with people you love. Matter of fact, it's the only way to serve God really is with people. No man is an island to himself. No man is. Think about this. Do you ever think about, let me, let me back up just a moment before I hit that. We're always trying to create an atmosphere. Always. Well, we got to have the worship just right. And if we hit that right song, boom, Holy Ghost is going to slap this place. That's how we, we feel. I'm driven that way. I'm honest. I'm driven that way. Boy, that wasn't good. Boy, that stunk. And then some banjo picking no tooth guy can get up here and go at it. And the glory of the Lord fill place. And I'm saying, you ain't got no teeth. And you're playing a banjo. I'm already shut out. Hello. That's funny, right? But there's a lot of reality to that. Because I have my like. So I think if I create this atmosphere. You, you know, y'all think we're turning these lights down to be cool. Statistics show that I don't have time. Maybe some one service, maybe I'll talk about why we're doing some of the things. And sometimes y'all think that it's too loud or it's too soft and everything. Everything has a purpose behind it. Ambience, everything affects everything that we do. And every one of us have likes and dislikes. And I create an, an atmosphere. If I could just create this, man, it's going to be good today. We're going to put candles up next week. <laughs> All over the platform. You know, we're going to make it intimate. Because intimate things will create that. And sometimes it does, and most times it don't. Do you ever think that your attitude might affect everything that's going on? I heard Kenneth Hagin say years ago, or, well, I didn't hear him years ago say it, but he said it years ago. I've listened to several of his messages over the last couple of years as he was learning to move in the things of God. He said, Lord, I don't understand. I'm preaching, I'm seeing miracles, but I can't, I can't seem to get breakthrough in this area. 
and I'm doing everything I can to be obedient. And the Lord speaks to me and said, yeah, you're obedient, but you're not willing. You're being obedient, but you're not willing. Attitude. And the Lord spoke to him out of Isaiah 119 said, uh, it said it's, it's the willing and obedient that eat the good of the land. So sometimes it's the, it's the obedience. Sometimes it's my attitude. See, all of these are characteristics. These are traits. They're not our, they're not, what, what, what is that? Tenants of faith. We got tenets of faith that we stand on and believe, but this is how we will conduct our lives. You know, years ago, we were, I'm Pentecostal to the bone, not ashamed of it. That just means I'm spirit filled. But when I started pastoring, I took the name Pentecost off my church. You know why I did? As a young pastor, every church in town was most of them Pentecostal were splits off of, off of split, off of split, off of split. And, and none of them could get along or none of them with fellowship. And I said, I want nothing to do with that. But isn't it amazing that we could all go to our church, hoop and holler, spit and shout and run the aisles. But I couldn't even say hello to the person that's in the other church of the same faith that I'm in. Well, let's push it into our house. Because if we're not careful, you may not think it manifests, but that thing can be right here in this house. And we wonder why God, because God shows up in his nature, not ours. Hello. You and I have to realize we are better together. We are better. God never intended us to walk this thing out by ourselves, nor can we fulfill the purpose of God without each other. When God created Adam, a male, he gave him everything. And he said, be fruitful. He made a male and female, the scripture says. I don't have time to read every verse now, but the scripture says that he gave them, he gave him vision to fulfill the earth. Adam standing as a man alone is in trouble. He's standing alone. He's in trouble. He can't do anything. He's naming the animals with God. He's, God is letting him see everything and how it functions. And then he said, hey, God, we've got a problem. There's two of everything, but there's only one of me. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I believe God was reflecting his own heart. It's not good that God be alone. Because I need relationship to fulfill my purpose that I want to do here in the earth. And in Genesis chapter 2, let me find that verse. I thought I wrote it down. Uh, hang on just a moment. Oh, here it is. Verse 18. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper. He didn't say, I'll make you a cook. He didn't. <laughs> you women ought to send me to lunch today. <laughs> he said, I'm giving you a helper. One like you that you will enter into a relationship with that will produce another one like you and will keep producing until all the earth is filled with us. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, 
We come to a place where the people of God, sins filled the earth. People of the people come and said, let us make a tower that will reach into the heavens. And so they begin to work. It's called the Tower of Babel. And the word said, the Lord came down to see what they were doing. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they, and, and they are of one language. And this that they begin to do. Now, nothing, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. President Trump before he went into office, or maybe it's right after he went into office, was meeting with national church leaders from all over the country. And many of you don't think that guy knows God, but he spoke something so true to every one of those leaders. He said, you guys could turn this country around if you will just get yourself together. He's speaking that to the church. You guys can't even get it together. God said these people are unstoppable at whatever they put their hand to do. Psalms 133, the scripture says, says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is as the anointing oil that pours upon the head that flows down the beard to the skirts of the garment. Let me read it exactly. I thought I could quote it exactly right. It says it flows down, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, even running down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord said, I have commanded the blessing of my, I have commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Wait a minute. God said, I've already told blessing and life evermore to be in this place. I want it right here. What was that place? In the place of the brethren living together and dwelling together and working together in harmony. That wasn't a word from a shepherd. I believe that was a military man, David, the king, the, ruler, the warrior that was calling his men into battle. Unity isn't uniformity. I don't expect y'all to look like me any more than I want to look like you. I did tell Michael I'd like to be tall, dark, and handsome like him. Maybe someday I'll grow up and be that way. God doesn't expect us to... God doesn't expect us... He doesn't expect all of us to be exactly alike. He doesn't expect us to do the very same things. He doesn't expect some of this. That's not what he's expecting. But what he is wanting us to do is to come into that place of flow that we realize we are bone of each other's bone. We are flesh of each other's flesh. We're of the same heartbeat. We're the same flow. And besides this, did you ever realize this? Every one of you have culture and you don't realize it in your home. I'll prove it to you. Because if I come to your house for coffee after a while. And I say, I don't like this chair here. Let's put it over there. I guarantee you somebody's going to talk back. Every one of us have culture. 
But we expect everything in God not to have. But God said, He said, when my people come together, it's an anointing. And it flows to the whole body. It flows to the whole body. So there's not an anointing on, on me that doesn't happen to you when we're, in a, when we're in harmony together. And not only that, he said it brings refreshing to everyone. And not only that, he said, I've already spoke to blessing. Blessing show up. It's already there waiting for you and I to get into that place. I've gone to a few places that I believe are demonstrating it. I really believe it with all my heart. They don't have to work. They don't have to labor. Last time I was there, I talk about them all the time. And I've got to land this jet. Worship team come. It's the only trait value I'll get to today. Last time I was at Free Chapel. Y'all know, y'all know that place. You ought to go there sometime if you're traveling. My son said, Dad, go to the main campus because pastor's going to be baptizing people. And it would, he said, I don't know when you're going to get back. I want you to go there because he worked at one of the campuses. And I went with Alexis. I, I, I don't know where Diana may have the baby. I can't remember, but me and Alexis go and I'm sitting with her and we're there five minutes before service starts. I'm sitting in the back, up in the bleacher seats. The place is absolutely full. I remember when we pulled into the lot, cars were lined up. There was a parking lot attendant like our friend, Mr. Jerry Nielsen that takes care of the parking lot, greeted us. They had a place for us. First time attenders had a place for them to park in. God was so kind. I mean, he was bubbly, a big smile on his face. Don't think for a moment that stuff doesn't matter. He said, you park right over there. He saw my Missouri plates. He greeted us real well after we got out of the car because you had the parking lot. You had a, a, a track that goes in front of the church. He stopped traffic and let us cross over. Soon as we walked in the building, we're greeted in so many different ways. There was... You could just tell the life that was in the place. People were smiling. They were excited that people were coming in. And I go sit in the bleachers. And I sit down and honest truth, I start weeping. Not one thing has happened. Not one thing. And I leaned over to Alexis and I said, he's here. I said, I don't feel this everywhere. I said, he's in this place. He's here now. Nobody had to work. Worship team just, you could tell they weren't laboring to try to create an atmosphere. They were enjoying worshiping God. And the people joined with them. Everything seemed to be right. God showed up. I'm sitting near what pastors baptizing people, listening to their testimonies of how God is transforming their life because he let them share testimonies. I don't know if it was there. Maybe it wasn't there, but this is good. One of his baptisms, he had a family that drove all the way from New Jersey to Atlanta to come and be baptized in water because of what Jesus is doing through that ministry. I can't say that here. 
It hadn't happened yet. But I'm telling you, when things come together, we're not just preaching to be preaching, not trying to be cute and smart and religious, but I believe there's some things that might be a little bit needed that God's saying, I'm just in my church. I expect you to come together. Last verse for today. Psalms 22, 3. He dwells in the praises of His people. Another translation says it like this. All thou that are enthroned in the praises of your people. When God's people come together, and if you make worship just about a song, you're going to miss it. For some of you can't sing and you don't need to. You just need to show up and move your mouth. Y'all know I'm messing. Trying to make this life but true. But when I come together with the same purpose, I'm here to worship God. I'm here to focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. I don't care who's in the platform. I don't care who's on the stage. I've come to worship Jesus. Man, give me a house like that. I believe miracles will happen. We won't have to do a thing. It'll be happening while people walk in the door. Because we're living in the atmosphere and in the climate, in the culture that is conducive to Jesus. Even when he told the Old Testament priest, or when he told Moses to build him a place, he said, hey, Mo, I want you to build me a place. He didn't tell Moses to give him what he thought. He said, Moses, I'm going to tell you where I'm going to dwell. And this is where I'm going to dwell. I believe God is adjusting his church. I believe he's adjusting our lives. Why is it God working with me individually? Maybe you need to take a look at your life. Maybe you need to take a look at what you're doing. We're carrying stuff that is not conducive to the nature of the Holy Spirit. Hurt, anger. What? Matter of fact, he said in one place, before you bring your gift to the Lord, go get straightened out with your brother first. That's how important it is. You go get it worked out. And as much as within you, if you can, live peaceably with all men. See, God just doesn't dwell everywhere. We're wanting Him to. But He'll dwell here. And He said, when you line yourself up, I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about religion. I'm just talking about the nature of Jesus. The nature of God. He's building His church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. It's His church. It's not Zach's. He can take me out at any moment. I heard prophets saying that God is going to cause some to drop dead this year. life in order. I'm not perfect, but I'm perfect in Christ. 
I know Zach's got some stuff Zach needs to do.